Let's roll up, it's a new high. Good laughs, some good vibes. It's a safe space to talk about all the dope things that's on our mind. From world travel to philosophies, we stay stylish, come and rock with me. It's a good time, we got the sauce to make champagne, which is reality. Uh, we do it for the culture, gotta show them what we can be. This is the high life, yeah, we all so fancy. Keep it a G, cuz we are family. It's the hood debutante with London Bambi. Uh, Yo, yo, what's up? How are you doing, rock stars? Welcome to another episode of the Huh Podcast with your host, me, London Bambi. And can you believe we are on episode seven? Guys, wow. Wow. Episode seven. I mean, this is crazy. I feel like I'm getting better and better every time I get on here. I know I probably said that before, but I'm still blown. Like, wow, we're still going at this rate. We're gonna be on episode ten. And is is it also me? Are the weeks flying by? Can you guys believe that 2023 is almost over? I'm kind of thinking we're in some type or type of like hyper time lapse because how is this happening? How are we going to be in 2024 in about like a week and a half or like two weeks? This is crazy to me. So, yeah, I want to before I jump in, I want to make sure I want to say thank you to all of you who have followed me thus far, who have listened to each and every last episode. I am following the numbers and you guys are really, really supporting. So I really, really appreciate that from the bottom of my heart to any new listeners. Wow. Because on this one platform, which I believe it is. Well, I'm not getting paid, so I'm not going to name the platform. <laughs> it's showing that I'm just getting some walk-in traffic. And y'all are, you know, you doing your thing. You are welcome here. This is a safe space. And if you don't know, you, you're going to find out. You know, I could be a little bit cray-cray sometimes. But welcome. I do appreciate it. And thank you guys for following me on this journey. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to just jump in. So I'm actually really excited about today's episode because today's topic is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, I'm a bit of a nerd and a bit of a geek, and I think people are calling it their Roman Empire, which is, if I'm using it correctly, something that they think about all the time. This will kind of be one of my Roman empires. And today's episode is titled, I'm going to do a drum roll. I didn't download the sound effect, so you don't have to worry about that in your ear, but I am going to do a drum roll with my fingers. So today's titled episode is... The reality of cyborgs. Yep, you heard it correctly. Cyborgs. Now, I'm not talking about the cyborgs that you see in sci-fi movies. Well, maybe poquito, maybe a little. But I'm really talking about real-life cyborgs and what that looked like. So buckle up because I'm about to take you guys on a ride, okay? 
But before we do that, <laughs> like always, I'm going to actually just talk about what inspired today's episode and the title. What exp- actually inspired today's episode was an art installation. For those of you who don't know, I love art. I love visiting art museums. When I travel the world, one of the first things I do is look for museums. So I love visiting art museums. And I mean, I like I love installations. That's some of my favorite type of art, like just seeing installation and industrial art. I really, really like a lot. And so this art piece, which was titled Can't Help Myself, this was an art piece that was supposed to mimic the human struggle. And it did this by like trying to keep this blood like fluid contained within a circumference around the base. So it was this robotic arm that was built with sensors so it can sense when this fluid was starting to spread outside the radius. So it would quickly try to sweep up this fluid within the zone around its base. And the gag is this blood like fluid was never meant to stay in one space. Therefore, it was always slowly running away from the base, keeping this robotic arm consistently working day and night nonstop for three years this robot was built in 2016 and it met its end in 2019 so you can imagine day and night of this robot trying to contain this spillage like when people were there people seeing it like trying to sweep this up and then the lights off it's still sweeping up and it was said that in the beginning when it was brand new and i believe you could still see footage of this online if you just type type the can't help myself robot and the name in the name in itself is just daunting the, the you could look at it brand new so when it was brand new the robot was really fast and it even had time to like dance and interact with the audience but as time went on the spillage you know started to get out of control so the spillage started to you know go get spread out because when it swept up the or try to contain it and sweep it back around a base and it goes up it was like splatter some on a wall you know splatter some out of its reach and so people will watch this thing perform this dance consistently working day night non-stop and trying to contain this spillage and the battle between these two materials started to kind of evoke some empathy in some people because people felt that this robot was working really really hard and it was almost like this is unfair why are you doing this to this robot it was it was nuts and the like i said the artist gave this robot like i guess movements that some people read at as it was emulating human emotions and that's why it would do like happy dances people would say at the beginning and then towards the end because the spillage started to get out of control it had no time to interact with the audience it actually just had to just focus on cleaning up and so the end in 2019 when a robot started to come to a halt it's, it wasn't moving as lively as it was in the beginning, obviously. The spillage has gotten out of control. It was all over the walls. It was all over the robots. So the robot arm started to move really, really slow. And it was, like, pretty much showing, like, signs of, you know, wear and tear. And people took this as the robot was showing signs of distress towards the end of its life. Now, now, hear me out. 
this robot can't really be considered a cyborg because it's not attached to a human. So it's not a cyborg in a literal sense, but I believe its ability to capture the human attention and emotions on a deep enough level make it cyborg-ish. So again, it may not be physically connected to a human organism, but it most definitely captured the deep emotions of, of the mankind or some people that was watching it. And after thinking about this piece for some time and its effect on people, I also started to think about the first time I came in contact with the ideal of a robot. And that was in the 80s on a TV show called Small Wonder. Now, I believe when this show ended, it's I forget the exact dates of this show, but I was around like, I believe five or seven during the duration of this show. And Vicky, the robot was this super hyper realistic robot of this little girl that lived with this upper middle class family. And, and I believe that that was a scientist and he created this robot, brought the robot home and she was just supposed to kind of blend in with the family. And then, after thinking about Vicky the Robot, I started thinking about this TV show that came out way before I was born. Now, this TV show called The Six Million Dollar Man is of an actual cyborg. And I, my dad told me about this show, I believe. And it, the the show, the synopsis of the show, to give you a quick synopsis, was of this guy. He got into some horrific accident where he lost his some of his limbs. So I believe he lost both his legs, one of his arms, and then um, the when he went to the hospital, I guess the agency he was working for decided to give him prosthetics, but give him mechanical pr prosthetics, at which it all added up to like six million dollars. So that's why the name of the show was the Six Million Dollar Man. And think about this: this is the '60s. That's a lot of money, and these mechanical limbs that he now had, because even I believe had a mechanical eye. They were a, he was he became superhuman like superhuman so he was an actual cyborg and that is the thread that led to the inspiration of this podcast <laughs> right that was a lot that was a lot I'm gonna let you guys like kind of take that in so that is what inspired this episode about cyborgs so you guys can kind of get where I'm going. Now that we talked about the inspiration behind this episode, let's get into the meat of the topic. So before I recorded this episode, I asked a few people about the topics. I would ask people, what do you think about the term cyborg? And these are some of the responses I received. So first I heard robots. I heard the future. I heard spaceships. I heard sci-fi. I heard out of space. No one really, really hit the nail on the head. And for those of you who are somewhat familiar with the term cyborg, some of you may be thinking, okay, that is like half human and half robot, right? But the reality is a bit different. So I'm going to say like the cyborg pretty much is, or I'm going to say cybernetic organism, is an entity with both organic and like biomatronic body parts. And in simpler terms, it's a blend of biological and mechanical. So the concept of cyborgs isn't new. If you ask me, I think this concept has been around for ages, but there has never really been a proper term. But 
So I'm just going to start off where the word cyborg came to life. And that was in the 1960s when a man named Manfred Klein and Nathan Klein, they both coined the term. And the word first appeared in an article called Cyborgs in Space in a September issue in 1960 of the journal Astronautics. And just to be precise, here's how the word was introduced according to an excerpt from the Atlantic. For the erroneously extended organizational complex functioning as an integrated homeostatic system unconsciously, we propose the term cyborg. Now, it is said that Kleins and Klein, they envision a future where humans could survive in extraterrestrial environments thanks to modifications to the body. All right. Fast forward to today. I believe we're seeing the beginning of this reality, if I'm going to be honest. Like, we have prosthetics that can be controlled by the mind. We have these ear implants that allow people that are deaf to hear. We even have chips implanted in a body for, like, various purposes. When I think of this, I think of the pacemaker, which is a chip that's meant to keep the heart beating. So it's like this, I'm not sure, like a small chip that they put on a heart. And I believe it gives it like these electrical kind of currents to keep the heart going. It's even been reported that thousands of people have signed up to have a portion of their skull removed to have a chip implanted that's supposed to be like a Fitbit for the brain. And the aim is to operate and test this out on 11 people next year. So in a way, guys, we are already here. We are living in an age of the cyborg. And a crazy part about it is when I ask people what is what do they think about the term cyborg, no one really kind of had a clue. And I'm like, we are living in that age now and there are cyborgs are kind of around us. Now, I know that term may make some people feel uncomfortable and I'm not saying people with pacemakers or people with hearing aids are cyborgs. I'm saying this is just the tip of the iceberg that this is something that we eventually are going to expand on. So what does this mean for us as a society? Like, how does this change our perception of what does it mean to be human? Like, these are the questions I believe we need to ask as we move forward. Because again, like I said, technology is always expanding. Technology is always growing. And this is just the beginning. When I also think about this, I think, in two ways, and it's kind of like me playing devil's advocate with myself, because because I think on one hand, we have these investments that can and have already greatly improved the quality of life for many people. Like, think about when I, when I think I'm going to use the hearing aid because I believe that is the one thing people can would recognize most. If you couldn't hear before and you got a hearing aid that actually works with you, that is beautiful. If you couldn't really see before, but, you know, they've been able to add something like, you know, maybe create glasses. Think about, what's his name? Cyclops on X-Men. I believe his glasses could shoot out rays, but I believe without his glasses, he can't see. That is beautiful. Just think about the... This type of world where people can regain, you know, some of their like mobility, like disabled people can walk now because of prosthetic limbs. And there are mechanical prosthetic limbs where people can actually, you know, bend their, they get a prosthetic 
foot. They could bend their foot and stand on their toes. Now, I think that one is relatively new. I just seen that one on TikTok, and I thought that was absolutely amazing. I'm like, yo, this guy was, he was sharing his experience of just not having this one leg, but how this new leg he had, which costs an insane amount. I forgot the price of it. And he was saying, okay, well, the reason this leg costs this much is because I can get up this way. I can run. I can actually stand on my tippy toes. I could bend my foot to try on my shoe. It was almost as if it was pretty much his leg he was born with and he compared it to an older model that his friend had that wasn't mechanical and i thought this was amazing so the possibilities to me are endless now on the other hand there are ethical and moral questions that i feel needs to be addressed like what happens when these enhancements go beyond just restoring like the normal human functions and when i think about this case i think about x-men think wolverine wolverine is a perfect example wolverine i don't think people ever saw him as a cyborg but wolverine was a cyborg because he got his claws through a military base so i don't know if you guys seen a movie i don't remember the movie fully, but I do remember the part where he went to surgery and they included the claws in him. So this was an example of superhuman strength and it's going beyond like just the normalcy of what a person is born with. What if these enhancements can make us all superhuman? And most importantly <laughs> to this question, I think is who get access to these enhancements? Like the people who are signing up to get a piece of their skull removed to get this Fitbit like thing put in their skull. How did they choose these 11 people? Hmm? And when these enhancements start to come out, will it create a divide between the enhanced and the non enhanced? I sometimes believe art imitates life and think about the x-men like some of them were cyborgs but also think about the divide of the x-men as to how not everybody was receptive to them and like a lot of humans wasn't really or can i say naturally people who were born without these abilities were not having it a lot of people were prejudiced against these x-men think about that so it's like we already live in a polarizing world what's going to happen with the enhanced and not enhanced well that's a whole nother podcast (laughs) i think these are like kind of complex issues with no easy answers and but one thing is clear we are living in the age of the cyborgs whether we want to acknowledge it or not and it is up to us to navigate this new reality how are we going to navigate this new reality together is i think just being aware so that is it all right friends before i end today's podcast i want to leave you with some food for thought which is what if we are already starting to turn into cyborgs now remember in the beginning of the podcast how i said the art installation i can't my help I can't help myself isn't a cyborg but cyborg ish because of the way it was able to capture the hearts of the audience on an emotional level think about it most of us are already attached to some form of technology daily 
let's use our cell phones, for example. We use our cell phones to help us with a multitude of things, such as helping us navigate, sending emails, text, or talking. Some of you might even be listening to me on your phone through a headset device. That is pretty cyborgish. The only difference is we are willfully connecting ourselves to these devices physically. The majority of us have not had them embedded in us, which leads me to believe a lot of us really are like turning into cyborgs. So I think we are already cyborgish. And to help me run with this theory, I used one of my favorite advancements in technology, which is ChatGBT, to help me come up with today's story to end this podcast. Now, I asked ChatGPT to tell me a story about cyborgs, and here are the results from the AI itself. I titled this story, We Are All Cyborgs. Once upon a time, in a world not too different from ours, there was a society where technology was deeply integrated into everyday life. People were born with a chip implanted in their brains, connecting them to the global network. This chip allowed them to access information, communicate with others, and even control devices with their minds. They were, in essence, cyborgs. In this society, there was a young man named Eli. Eli was a curious individual, always questioning the world around him. He often wondered about the nature of their existence. Are we still human, or are we machines? He would ask his friends. Most of them would laugh it off, saying, Eli, you think too much. One day, Eli decided to explore the depths of the global network. He wanted to understand the extent of their connection to the network. As he delved deeper, he discovered something astonishing. He found that the network was not just a tool for communication and information. It was a collective consciousness, a vast pool of thoughts, emotions, and memories of every individual connected to it. Eli realized that they were not just cyborgs in the physical sense. They were cyborgs in a deeper, more profound way. Their minds, their identities, their very consciousness was intertwined with the network. They were part of a larger, collective entity. This revelation was both terrifying and enlightening for Eli. He understood that they were more than just humans with technological enhancements. They were a new form of life, a fusion of biology and technology. They were cyborgs, not because of the chips in their brains, but because of their interconnected consciousness. Eli shared his discovery with the world. Some were scared. Some were skeptical, but many were fascinated. They began to see themselves not as individuals, but as part of a larger whole. They began to embrace their cyborg nature, not as a loss of humanity, but as an evolution of it. And so, the society came to understand that they were all cyborgs, not in body, but in spirit. They were a testament to the incredible potential of technology to enhance and expand the human experience. They were a reminder that we are all connected in ways we can barely begin to comprehend. Wow. Now that was kind of eerie. That really was kind of eerie. All right, guys. All right. All right. So this has been another episode of the Hood Debutante podcast. This has been amazing. I can't believe it. We are on episode seven. And what I want to leave you guys with before I sign off is to remind you guys to keep an open mind as we journey further into the future. And with that being said, I am off. I shall talk to you guys next Wednesday. And remember, I love you. Go out there and be a light in somebody's life. (laughs) Peace.